Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to the FMC Podcast. This is Pastor Kyle. I really appreciate all of you who have been uh, just taking time to dive into this and, and listen to the uh, sermons that are brought here uh, that are brought here from uh, Franconi Mennonite Church. Uh, so we're continuing our sermon series on Sounds of the Season. Uh, last week, Josh would have kicked things off with anticipation. And this week, uh, I'm going to continue things uh, in the sermon series, uh, diving into incarnation. And uh, one of the things I felt called to do for this sermon was to basically go back to the beginning uh, and dive into basically the reason of why Jesus needed to come to this earth. Uh, Why why did Jesus need to come to this earth as a baby? Why did we need to be saved? What do we need to be saved from? Um, And I basically asked the question in the beginning of the sermon you'll hear is, uh, is Jesus enough? We have so much in this world that the world is trying to offer us by way of technology and and so much more, really. And and we think that that's enough to sustain us and and give us happiness and joy and amazement and wonder. But really, it's not. You know, we we find ourselves so quickly moving from one thing to the next thing. And, And the same thing really goes for, you know, what we believe in. We jump from one truth to the next truth. But the real question is, is Jesus enough? The truth truth, the truth. Is it enough for us? And I want you to ponder that question while you're listening to this sermon. And I also want you to ponder the question of, are you not amazed, right? You, the listener right now, whether you're a Christian or not a Christian, are you not amazed by the birth of Jesus, God incarnate to this earth, right? To, to give us our salvation. Are you not amazed by that? And you'll hear me throughout this sermon just going back to the beginning of the Old Testament and showing you what God worked through that led us to the perfect person and life of Jesus Christ. So I hope you enjoyed today's sermon. Uh, And uh, yeah, thanks so much for listening. Let's dive into it. Good morning. I will be reading from Matthew 1, 18 through 23. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came to be about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Where after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Because, this, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Well, good morning, church. As always, it is such a blessing and honor to be up here uh, giving the word of God to you all this morning. I'd like to start off with a word of prayer, so please join me. Father God, thank you so much for this opportunity to be up here to give your word to your children today. I pray, Father God, that the words that are spoken from me today are not my words, but your words. I pray, Father God, that the words that uh, are spoken today are words that somebody needs to hear. I pray, Father God, for anybody who is struggling in their relationship with you, 
I pray for that person who hasn't even started their relationship with you yet. And I pray, Father God, that what is spoken to them may be your light shining on them. I pray this in your powerful and transforming name. Amen. So, thank you, Evan, for reading our scripture this morning. And if you were here last week, uh, Pastor Josh kicked off our new sermon series titled Sounds of the Season. So we're going through some of our favorite hymns through the Advent season, and we're talking about the biblical truth and ideas that are behind that. So last week, Josh took us through, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. And he went through each verse line by line and applied scripture to it, showing why we sing this beautiful song of anticipating the coming of our Savior. Now today, the hymn I'm going to be incorporating with the Sermon on Incarnation is Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Now here's a spoiler alert. I'm not going to bring up the hymn again until the end of the sermon. That's part of uh, the variety we have on the pastoral team. Sometimes we preach in different ways, and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with how Josh preached last week. But there's something else I want to do before we get to this hymn, and actually before we sing it, and you'll see why. Friends, our world has a problem when it comes to Christianity. Actually, I'm going to take it a step further and say our world has a problem when it comes to just Jesus. A couple years ago, Andy Stanley preached a sermon uh, during the Advent season, and he was asking the question about what, what is the problem that our world has when it comes to Christianity? What is the problem our world has when it comes to Jesus? And the question was, is it true and is it good? This whole Jesus thing of him being born of a virgin, being the son of God incarnate and dying on the cross for our sins, I mean, is it really true? And he went on to talk about how not only is it true, but it's good. But I'm not going to mention the rest of his sermon. I actually want to suggest what I think was missing from his message. You see, I don't think our world has a problem wondering if the life of Jesus and what God says in his word is true. I don't think that's a problem. I don't. I think the problem is, is it enough? Is it enough? You see, this to me is the reason why you see people jumping from one truth to one truth, from this belief to the next belief. Alicia and I had a couple friends over for dinner on Friday night, and we actually got to talking about how easy it is for people to place their identity in today's culture, for people to to place their identity in something else other than Jesus. Think of the phones that we have and how Apple comes out with a brand new phone the next year with with a new camera on it, but now instead of one lens, it has three lenses and the screen's bigger, but now it's getting smaller again for some reason. Why? It's not enough. See, I feel that people are not believing in the truth, not because they don't believe it's true. They're going to find a truth that fits them. The problem is, is the truth enough? Is the truth enough? Because it's not enough due to living in a world where they have something that is being updated every single minute from the older version due to it not being enough. So this is what I want to talk about today when it comes to Jesus. Is he enough? Is the truth enough? So join me in the word, Matthew chapter 1, verses 18. And it starts like this, as Evan read for us. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. Pause. Stop right there. 
Now, before we continue, I'm going to take us somewhere else instead. Actually, this is where we're going to spend the majority of our time. And disclaimer, I want to say this first. I'm not changing the word of God with what you're about to see me putting up here. I want to take us to a different place in scripture to show us how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. Because what Matthew states, which Evan just read for us, is from the viewpoint of Joseph and Mary. Joseph was pledged to be married to Mary, and and we know this is true. But I want to take us somewhere else. Let me say this before I do. Even if we know this, I feel led to do this this morning because there's someone here who doesn't know this. Even if we know this, I feel led to do this this morning because for those of us who do know this, it will serve as a good reminder on how amazing the birth of Jesus is. So, this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. You ready? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty, and darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And God spoke, let there be light. Now we go on in Genesis to see an amazing picture of what God creates. He fills the earth and the sky with animals and birds. He creates the sun, the moon, and the stars. And we see here we get a detailed account of this aura, this amazing picture of what God creates and what he does in the beginning. And he calls it good. He calls it good. And then God creates man in his own image and likeness. Unlike anything else that he just created, he creates mankind in his own image and likeness. And does anybody know what God does right after he creates man? Does anybody know? He blesses them. He blesses them. Listen to this. I don't want us to skip over this blessing from God. God blesses them. And he says this, Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. God gave them this amazing gift. This is yours, my children. Rule over it. Take care of it. And then God takes a step back, looks at everything that he just created, and he calls it very good. Very good. Now in Genesis 2, it gives us more details into the creation of man and what God did. It gives us more details on what God instructed Adam and Eve to do. You are free to eat from every tree, but not of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Everything is good. Everything is very good, according to God. But this all changes when the enemy comes in. This all changes when the enemy comes in, and it changes God's goodness around. It changes God's word around, which we're going to see in a second. Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Did God really say that to you? Those are the words from the enemy. Did God really say that to you? And what does Eve respond with? She says, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden. 
But God did say, you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. Now, hold on a second. Hold on a second. Did we catch that? I'm going to stop here because I see importance that I don't want us to miss. This is where we see the enemy start trying to change God's word around by causing confusion. Did God really say that to you? Which causes Eve to give a response that comes from God, but God actually didn't say what Eve said to the, to the serpent. I mean, y'all can check me, but where does God say you must not touch the tree in the middle of the garden? Where does God say you may eat from the trees? No, God didn't say you may eat from the trees. This is what God says in Genesis 2. And the Lord God commanded man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden. But you must not, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. You have everything. You are free to eat from it all. Just not this one. Everything is yours. And this is the problem. And this is where we see it start. The enemy led them to believe that what God has given to them was not enough. That God was hiding something from them. And they ate from the tree of the goodness of that God. They ate from the tree. And the goodness that God brought into the world was stained by sin. And then starts the journey. Darkness. Then starts the journey of sin. But God working through sin in this world for his will to be done. We go through a long journey of humans not being able to overcome sin that was brought into this world through Adam and Eve. Yet God still worked through it. Think of this, church. Think of this. With the sin that entered the world through Adam and Eve, God could have wiped it out completely right there and then. Done. Starting over. Completely wiped out the earth and mankind and started over, but he didn't. This is what some of what God worked through right here. Cain. Cain gave over and thought anger was enough, leading to his brother Abel's death. Noah. Noah, who was blameless, thought drinking was enough and became drunk. Jacob stole his brother's blessing. Judah, along with his brothers, hated their brother Joseph and sold him into slavery. Judah, again, who fathered Perez with his daughter-in-law Tamar, thinking she was a prostitute. Actually, side note about Judah, right? So Judah is with his brothers and they're in Egypt. And their brother Joseph is second in command to Pharaoh, right? He has the second most power in Egypt. And he's with his brothers in Egypt. And Joseph recognizes his brothers, but his brothers don't recognize him. And Joseph is threatening to take their younger brother Benjamin away. And who is the only brother that steps up and says, take me instead and not Benjamin? Judah. Interesting side note, I think. Judah, who is in the family tree of Jesus. Rahab, who thought being a prostitute was enough, but she started a new life with God and helped Joshua hide spies so that he could defeat the enemies in Jericho. Now Rahab ended up marrying Solomon, who fathered Boaz. David, oh David. David, who was a man after God's own heart. After each sin, he would drop to his knees and repent, and repent to God. But he thought lust was enough. And having a child with Bathsheba while she was still married to Uriah. 
He thought lying was enough when he brought Uriah home from battle and told him to go be with his wife so he could pass that child off as Uriah's and not his. David thought murder was enough when he sent Uriah out to the front lines to die to cover up his sin. Solomon, who asked God for wisdom, had many wives and gave over to the false gods that came with them in which the Lord told the Israelites, do not do this. Rehoboam thought not having counsel was enough and rejected the counsel of his elders, causing 10 tribes of Israel to go in rebellion against him. Abijah. Abijah thought false gods were enough and was not fully devoted to the Lord. But Jehoram, this is where I'm going to stop. Jehoram thought that man was enough and followed the ways of the kings of Israel and did what was evil in the eyes of the Lord. And this is where I want to stop because I want to show you something. And this is super important. And even if you're not a believer, please pay attention to this. This is the wow moment. Jehoram's father-in-law was Ahab. And, and Jehoram gave over to following the house of Ahab and the false gods rather than the one true God. And yet our God worked through this. Listen to what scripture says in 2 Kings chapter 8 about Jehoram and what God did. He, that is King Jehoram, he followed the ways of the kings of Israel as the house of Ahab had done. For he married the daughter of Ahab. So King Jehoram, he gave over to man rather than God. He followed the ways of man, which led him to worshiping false gods like the house of Ahab had done. But nevertheless, scripture says, nevertheless, for the sake of his servant David, the Lord was not willing to destroy Judah. So again, I say to you, church, Think about this. God, again, right here, could have destroyed it all, wiped out sin, wiped out mankind. You know what? This sin is ridiculous. My people are not listening to me. They don't care. They give over to sin rather than giving over to me. God is all-powerful. He could have destroyed the sin right there. But he didn't for the sake of his servant David, Scripture says. Because why? We serve a faithful God. So for the sake of his servant David, God did not destroy Judah. And why is that? Scripture continues. It says, he promised to maintain a lamp for David and his descendants forever. He promised to maintain a lamp for, his da for David and his descendants forever. He had promised. God promised. God is faithful to his promises that he makes. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. Through the darkness of sin, through all these years, God worked through it. His promise was to maintain a lamp for David's descendants forever. And you're about to see this, friends, so buckle up. Let's go back to this promise in 2 Samuel chapter 7. It says it so. Just to set this up, David is king, and he had a long journey to get to this point in his life. So David dealt with a lot with Saul, who was king before him. And he fought many battles for God under Saul's rule. And then all of a sudden, David is now running from King Saul because his life is being threatened. But now we see this picture where David becomes king and he's still fighting more battles. But then he goes back to his palace and scripture says in 2 Samuel 7, God gives him peace from his enemies. God gives him peace. So he goes back to his palace and God's giving him rest. And now David is resting. And it's almost like David has a little bit of guilt here. It's almost like he has a little bit of guilt. And he calls the prophet Nathan over to him and says the following. He says to Nathan, Here I am living in a house of cedar 
while the ark of God remains in a tent. So Nathan responds back to David and says, whatever you have in mind, do it. The Lord is with you. Whatever you have in mind, do it. God is with you. Right? But the Lord came to Nathan that night and said, go and tell David this. You're not to build me a house. You're not to build me a house to dwell in. I have been moving from place to place with my people as a tent, as my dwelling place, since I have taken my children out of Egypt, and I have never once requested a house be built for me. God tells David, you're not to build the temple for me. That will be done by someone else, not you. I have bigger plans for you, David. I have bigger plans for your name, and I'm going to make it great. How? This is what the Lord says. This is his promise. The Lord declares to you that the Lord himself will establish a house for you. When your days are over and you are resting with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish his throne. Look at that church forever. You're not to build me a house. Someone else will. And I'm going to establish his throne forever. Look at that. Right? All throughout this, God worked through it, even though people thought more was enough for them than God. My people think, my, my people think the world is enough for them. My people give over to sin because they think that's enough for them. It's not. It's not enough. It will not sustain them forever, even if they think it will. The sin that they were in, that they are in, will not give them life. It will give them death. My children don't think they have enough? Well, I'm going to give them enough, David. And it's going to be through you and your descendants. And he will be my son. And he is going to build my house. And his kingdom will last forever. God may have refused David's request to build him a temple, but we see God had a better plan, church. Brothers and sisters, we have a father who worked through all of this and so much more. That's not even half of it, what I put up on the screens. And so much more. A father who is the most high God, who could have wiped us out at any point in our sin, but gave us a way through his son Jesus so we would have enough. We see this throughout scripture, the sin that God's people are in and, that they, and they thought it was enough. The lust, the envy, the anger, the idolatry, the pride. Time and time again, they turn their backs on God because they thought he wasn't enough. We see here, church, the reason why Jesus needed to come to this earth because we could not overcome the power of sin ourselves. We needed Jesus. We still need Jesus today. We still turn our backs on God and our sin because we get caught up in our phones, in the next TV show, in our sexual image, in relationships relationships, in sports, sports, and so much more, placing our identity in the world rather than our identity in Christ. We still need him today. We think these worldly things are enough to sustain us and give us more happiness, wonder, and amazement, but it's not enough for us. It never is. God gave us his son, and he is more than enough. Jesus is our salvation. Jesus is it. Jesus is the way, the truth, the life. Just Jesus. Amen? So church, I take us back to the beginning. Because I want to show you what God worked through. Throughout history, God used imperfect people that led us to the perfect person and life of Jesus Christ, our Savior. 
We today are imperfect. We can't do it alone. What the world offers us is not enough. But Jesus is. Church, is Jesus enough for you? Are you not amazed by all God has done and worked through and what he's still doing today, what he can still do today? Alicia and I decorated for Christmas two weeks ago. And so when we decorated for Christmas, uh, we did it while Owen and Quinn were napping or else we wouldn't be able to get anything done. And so while they're napping, uh, we, we, we really don't do much for, for, for decorations. I mean, the biggest thing we do is our tree. That really, I, I think, makes the house pop. Alicia does a great job on that. Um, but everything else is just like small little decorations here and there. So two weeks ago, we're doing this while they're napping. We don't even have the tree yet, so we're just putting the little stuff up. And so uh, Owen wakes up from his nap, and so I go upstairs to get Owen. So I get him and says, hey, Bubba, how you doing? How was your nap? Good nap. That's great. So I pick him up, and then I'm bringing him downstairs, and Alicia's on the floor doing some type of decoration. I, I can't tell you what. And I hand Owen to Alicia, right? And so Alicia greets Owen from his nap, and then it's like it hits him. He looks around and sees the change and goes, oh, wow. Cutest thing in the world. But he had that amazement. And this is the amazement I want us to have with what God has done with sending his son here to earth, to this earth. This is the amazement I want us to have with what God worked through. Galatians chapter four says this, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption to sonship. God did not forget his people. He was not late. He was right on time. That's why I went back to the beginning, because it's amazing, and I don't want us to lose sight of that. The one true God who spoke this world into existence came to earth to redeem it rather than wiping it away, so that we could be reconciled with him. And that is why we sing amazement when we say the words, Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. So I'm not going to go line by line like Josh did. I'm going to go verse by verse. So verse, uh, verse 1, which proclaims the good news. God has sent the one to reconcile sinners to him. Peace on earth and mercy mild. God and sinners reconciled. And so we proclaim that, church. Joyful all ye nations rise. Join the triumph with the skies. With angelic hosts proclaim Christ is born in Bethlehem. In the next verse, we sing about the amazement of the birth of Christ. Christ by heaven, highest heaven adored, Christ the everlasting Lord. Late in time, behold him come, offspring of a virgin's womb. Veiled in flesh the Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity. Pleased as man with men to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel. And finally, my favorite verse we sing our amazement of the accomplishments of Christ. Hail the heaven-born Prince of Peace. Hail the Son of Righteousness. Light and life to all he brings. Risen with healing in his wings. Mild he lays his glory by. Born that man no more may die. Born to raise the sons of earth. Born to give them a second birth. Hark the herald angels sing. Glory to the newborn king. Friends, let's put this into practice. Proclaiming the good news of Jesus who has reconciled us to God. 
Let us continue to be amazed at his birth. Not something we acknowledge once a year, but something we proclaim 365 days a year. Let us see the accomplishments of Christ as a way for us to abide in him so that no man may die, but have eternal life through Jesus because he is the way, the truth, and the life. So I want to end with scripture before we sing, and I'll invite the worship team forward. So Josh last week gave a a, a challenge to the congregation throughout Advent to be reading the Gospel of Luke. 24 days, starting on December 1st. Now, if you were doing it, today you should be on Luke chapter 6. And so I want to continue that. And I want to read what came to me with Luke chapter 6. It says this, starting at verse 43. No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from bears. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. An evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. So brothers and sisters, I say to you, what is your heart full of today? Is it full of excitement, amazement, and wonder for the Lord? Is it full of Jesus? May what's in our hearts be amazement, excitement, and joy, and truth. The truth. May it be Jesus. Just Jesus. Because he is enough. May we proclaim the good news of Christ in our hearts. Let's sing. If you like what you heard, you can hear more of our sermons on our website at franconiamennonite.org. There you can find the latest sermons and events that we are having at the church for the community. As always, you are more than welcome to stop on by in person, uh, take a visit to the church. Our services are every Sunday at 1015. If you want to call beforehand and speak to one of the pastors, we would love to talk with you. It is our prayer that what was offered here today is a blessing to you as you go about your walk with Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Blessings.